Welcome to the Golden Age of Comic Books. Hey, Golden Age fans, it's August 15th, 2006, and this is the Golden Age of Comic Books. This is Bill Jordan, your host, and I'm glad you're back. I'm glad I'm back. Here it is, uh, well over two months since I've done a podcast, and uh, decided I better get back in the saddle and get going again and doing another podcast. So here I am, and uh, appreciate all of you who have emailed me and sent me uh, messages at the blog page and at the forum at comicgeekspeak.com expressing your support for the golden age of comic books. Uh, I really appreciate that support, and I hope I'm back in the saddle full-time now. Well, I guess I need to chat a little bit about where I've been for the last almost three months. Uh, For those of you that might have gone to the new, well, actually not so new now, forum at comicsgeekspeak.com. And by the way, I want to express my thanks and appreciation to all of the guys over at comicgeekspeak.com. Of course, they have a great and wonderful comic book podcast. But they were kind enough to give me some space on their website at their forum. So if you go to comicgeekspeak.com, click on form, you'll find a link there for the Golden Age of Comic Book form, which I am the host of. And there is a a great form and great location to talk about Golden Age comic books generally, talk about this podcast, or anything else that interests you related to Golden Age of comics. And I want to thank them again for letting me be on that space. Now, if you've been over there checking it out already, you'll see that I posted a little bit back in June and July about where I've been and what I've been doing, but let me mention that briefly this evening on the podcast so that those of you who have wondered just what in the heck's been going on with me will know where I've been. First of all, uh, I took uh, a fairly long summer vacation and went uh, west. I've got an RV, not like the Robin Williams movie, fortunately not an experience like that, but uh, headed out with my family to the Wild West, went out to the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone and had a really great trip. On the way out there, had a very interesting experience. We were traveling through Illinois, a state that I've not spent a lot of time in, and we happened across Metropolis, Illinois, and uh, lo and behold, we found the giant Superman statue there in uh, Metropolis, and we had to stop and take a picture. Will, my son, and I I uh, got our picture taken in front of the statue. In fact, Will, uh, it was funny that morning he put on a Superman shirt not knowing what we were going to find that day. So I think there's a picture uh, uh, of that uh, adventure on the blog page, and it may also be on the forum. But that was a really exciting uh, part of our trip. But got back from the trip, and then all of a sudden we got our house sold that we've had for sale for a while. So I got into moving mode, and uh, I've been in moving mode now for... Uh, a month and a half, and I'm finally settled down. I got all my podcasting equipment unpacked, got my comic books unpacked, got my resources that I use to do this podcast unpacked, and decided uh, since the dust has settled a little bit on the move, I could go ahead and settle down and uh, get a podcast done. And of course, in the middle of all of that, I was still working and doing the job that I do full time. So a lot of time pressures, but I uh, really wanted to get back here and get a Golden Age of Comic Books podcast done. So here we are for the 42nd installment of the Golden Age of Comic Books. And what are we going to talk about? Well, in some of my blog posts and in some of my posts on the forum, I talked about doing a podcast to celebrate Superman. Of course, there would be no Golden Age of Comic Books without Superman, who appeared in Action Comics number one. And I thought with the Superman Returns movie that was coming out earlier this year, it would be a great time to do a podcast about Superman. Well, 
the vacation and the move and everything else got in the way of getting that podcast done before the movie came out. But fortunately, I've been able to sit down and think a little bit about what I would want to do in terms of a golden age of comic books podcast about Superman. And that's what I'm going to do for the 42nd installment of the golden age of comic books. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about Superman. Not uh, all about Superman, because that's just a monumental topic to uh, tackle on a 30-minute or so podcast, but hopefully uh, some interesting topics related to Superman in the golden age of comic books. But before we talk about Superman, I wanted to mention one more thing about uh, how my summer's been going. Of course, now for most everybody, the summer's over, school's back in for the kids, and we're back into the uh, post-summer routine, the blives, if you will, that we all experience. But had a good time this summer, went uh, in addition to the vacation I mentioned and uh, moving and all those wonderful things. I did manage to get over to the uh, Heroes Convention in Charlotte, North Carolina back in June. Had a really good time over there. Met uh, Peter Rios from the Comic Book Geek Speak podcast. Uh, met Bruce Rosenberger from Comics Cast. Uh, met Aaron from Sci-Fi Dig and a lot of other great folks. Had a, had a great time. In fact, uh, Peter... Uh, pulled out his portable podcasting equipment, and we actually did a little podcast on the fly from the floor of the convention. And I believe there's a post in the uh, forum at comicgeekspeak.com, the Golden Age comic book forum, that has a link to that particular episode. Uh, And uh, I appreciate Peter taking the time and and doing such a great job putting that together. So as always, Shelton Drum did a wonderful job putting together the Charlotte Heroes Convention I always recommend that show to anybody interested in seeing some really fantastic comic books. Wonderful dealers always show up there and had a great time. I did not make it out to San Diego this year. I did last year, but I hear it was just another good show with a lot of great books. And I am uh, looking forward to attending San Diego coming up in uh, another year, hopefully. So hopefully all of you who collect Golden Age comics or like to learn about Golden Age comics, made it to one or two or three or more conventions this summer during the convention season, saw some great books, bought some great books. There certainly are a lot of great reprint books coming out these days for the Golden Age of comic books. I noticed just this past week, volume 19 of the Spirit Archives was published. I'm working my way through that, uh, really in the, uh, the prime of some of the most wonderful stories that Will Eisner did of the Spirit just a few more volumes to go, a couple more years and, and uh, a few more volumes and that series will be complete. A lot of other good Golden Age references coming out and I would encourage those of you interested in reading about Golden Age comic books or reading Golden Age comic book stories to check out a lot of these reprint materials that are out there. Really fantastic. Alright, well without further ado, let's talk about Superman. It's kind of ironic that I've been doing a Golden Age of Comic Book podcast for over a year, and I've never talked about, at least in any great detail, the character who was responsible for ushering in the Golden Age of Comic Books with Action Comics number 1 in June of 1938. And of course, unless you've been under a rock for most of your life as a comic book collector, you know that Superman is Clark Kent, one of the most recognized uh, superheroes in the world, certainly one of the most uh, recognized fictional characters probably in the world. And so 
I don't want to spend a lot of time during the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast talking about Superman and things that you already know about Superman. Obviously, uh, Superman's uh, origins are well-known. The supporting cast is certainly very well-known if you've ever watched a TV show or read the comics or gone to the movies or listened to the radio show or any of the other many sources that are out there to learn about Superman, you know all of this, or you probably have a pretty good idea about all of this. So what are we going to do to talk about Superman for the golden age of comic books? Well, we're going to do just what the title of the show implies. We're going to talk about the golden age Superman and focus on certain aspects of his uh, development and some, some what I consider milestones during the golden age of comics for Superman. And really, if you think about Superman and the Golden Age of comic books, all of the uh, uh, the real important Golden Age aspects of Superman took place in the first 10 to 12 years of his existence. Uh, he started in 38, and if you go through 1948-49, you cover a lot of the highlights of the Golden Age of Superman, uh, with one exception that I'll talk about, and that took place in 1952. So let's jump right in and talk about the Golden Age of Superman. Of course, as you know, he appeared in Action Comics number 1 in June of 1938, and he was introduced to the world as Clark Kent, the mild manner reporter, who, of course, uh, was Superman. That was his alter ego. But Superman of the Golden Age was much, much different than Superman of the Silver Age of comics or the Modern Age of comics or the Superman character that you might have seen in other media over the years. So let's talk about the original Superman. and What was he like in 1938 when he first appeared in Action Comics number one, and then about a year later when he had his own title appear with Superman Comics number one? Well, in Action Comics number one, Superman wasn't quite the superhero that he is today. In fact, his powers were somewhat limited. He could leap an eighth of a mile. He couldn't fly into space and travel the speed of light. He could hurdle a 20-story building. That's a pretty great feat, but certainly nothing compared to the powers that Superman has today. He could raise tremendous weights, and in the comic, in the story where his origin is told in a very limited way in Action Comics number one, it shows him lifting a steel girder over his head. A pretty simple task for the Superman of today. He could run faster than an express train, and nothing less than a bursting shell could penetrate his skin. And in Action Comics number one, that was really the uh, sum total of the origin of Superman and his powers. They did talk about Superman coming from another planet, but they did not talk about in Action Comics number one who his parents had been on that planet, and really very little was said about his parents on Earth. And after a very short summary in Action Comics number one, uh, it went right on into the story where Superman uh, first appears and he's there to actually uh, do something that wasn't necessarily suited to someone with such great superpowers. He was there to prevent the execution of a woman who had been convicted of murder when he had discovered with his powers who the actual murderess was, and he convinced the governor by ripping off a steel door and doing some things that only Superman could do in 1938 to spare the life of the woman who was about to be executed. And that was the first story that appeared in Action Comics number one. In fact, 
Superman's powers progressed fairly rapidly, and by the time we got to Action Comics number 18, we already had Superman using something like X-ray vision. So I think that uh, as the stories progressed, the powers increased, and as we know, Superman became much, much, much more powerful as time went by. Now, as I mentioned, Superman number one came along, and Superman in that particular title, which began with the summer 1939 issue, had an, another origin told, and it was essentially the same origin, but it was two pages long instead of just a page long, and it had uh, a little more detail uh, talking about uh, Superman going to an orphanage, showing uh, someone trying to... Uh, inject the uh, adult Superman with a hypodermic needle, giving him a shot, a doctor, and uh, the needle breaking many, many times, and so on and so forth. So once again, uh, the origin was retold in Superman number one, but in a very, very limited sense. And we'll talk in a few minutes about much more details that were provided in the subsequent origin that was given for the Golden Age Superman. Now, of course, Superman was successful in part because of his great superpowers and the great character that was developed for him, but he was also successful as a result of the great supporting cast that was developed for him over the Golden Age years. And of course, Lois Lane was the, uh, the chief antagonist sometimes and protagonist sometimes for Superman. And she made her appearance right along um, with Superman and Clark Kent in Action Comics number one, uh, a love interest from the very beginning for Clark Kent and for Superman. And, of course, that, uh, that factor has uh, continued on even to the modern age of comics. Perry White, the editor, a uh, very boisterous editor of the Daily Planet, was introduced in Superman number 7. That was the November-December 1940 issue. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a few minutes because... He actually made an appearance before that, but not in the comics. And uh, Jimmy Olsen, the uh, cub reporter who was a copy boy in his very first appearance, and actually only known as a copy boy in his very first appearance, appeared in Action Comics number 6. That was in November uh, 1938 issue, a little bit earlier, a lot earlier really, than, uh, than Perry White made his first appearance. Now, of course, all of these characters uh, came up uh, around Superman, actually through his role as a reporter in the guise of Clark Kent. And Clark was a reporter for the Daily Planet, as we know. But early on, he actually was a reporter for the Daily Star in Metropolis. And uh, that title or the name of that newspaper was later changed to the Daily Planet. But originally, it was called the Daily Star. Now, of course, for every great superhero, there have got to be some great supervillains, and it was kind of difficult to come up with uh, supervillains to match the power of Superman, but DC uh, rose to the occasion, and of course, uh, one of the most villainous of all supervillains to come out of the DC Universe is Lex Luthor. He made his first appearance in Action Comics number 23. That was the April 1940 issue. Now, if you've read about Luthor in any uh, media over the years, you'll find that he's bald, but sometimes he's portrayed with red hair, and there have been lots of stories told about Luthor with red hair, and why did he lose his red hair, and why was he bald, and all that sort of thing. And I'm not going to go into all of those uh, particular stories. Most of those started out in the Silver Age of comics, but 
Suffice to say, the first appearance of Luthor in Action Comics number 23, uh, he was not bald-headed. He had red hair, and uh, his red hair uh, persisted for several appearances until Superman number 10. That was the May-June 1941 issue, and that was where Luthor made his very first appearance as a bald supervillain, and he was bald from that point forward. And, of course, uh, Luthor was portrayed in many different ways over the years, always the mad scientist in the golden age of comics, and always a match for Superman. But, of course, Superman always prevailed. Now, one of the other great uh, antagonists of Superman who was introduced in the golden age of comics was none other than the imp known as Mixitplik, and I'll spell that for those of you who really want to know how to spell it. It's M-X-Y-Z-T-P-L-K, pronounced Mixitplik. And he was introduced in Superman number 30. That was the September-October 1944 issue, a very impish, uh, other-dimensional character who came to uh, uh, cause Superman lots of grief and trouble with his special magical powers throughout uh, many, many years in the comics, even through the present. Uh, The appearance, of course, of that character changed uh, dramatically from the Golden Age to the Silver Age, but the the Golden Age mix-it-plick was a little man with a little bowler hat who uh, had a little suit on, and of course his appearance changed to a more science fiction-like appearance uh, later on with the Silver Age of comics. Another of the villains who... Uh, had to uh, take on Superman in the Golden Age of Comics was the Toy Man. And the Toy Man first appeared in Action Comics number 64. That was the September 1943 issue. Another memorable Superman villain during the Golden Age of comic books. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, what I was going to discuss with respect to Superman really went all the way... uh, through 48, 1948 or 1949, and I was going to stop with that, but that there was one other event that occurred a little bit later in 1952 that I wanted to mention. And I have mentioned this particular story and this particular character before, but of course uh, I can't uh, get away from mentioning this character if I can, and that's of course the Golden Age Batman. And the Golden Age Batman first appeared with Superman in a team-up in Superman number 76, that was the May June 1940 excuse me 1952 issue of Superman comics. Now, some of you who are real Golden Age fans are probably thinking, "Well, wait a minute. They appeared on all those covers of World's Finest Comics over the years. They appeared on the cover of the 1940 World's Fair comic, and of course that's all very true, but they only appeared on the covers together. They did not appear in any stories together in those issues of World's Finest Comics." And for those of you who have read the All-Star Comics archives, you will know that they also appeared together in a cameo role in one of the stories that appeared in All-Star Comics for the Justice Society of America. And that was in issue number 36 of All-Star Comics. But in that appearance in All-Star, Superman and Batman really didn't team up To fight together, they appeared in cameo roles uh, with all the other members of the JSA, but they really didn't team up, and uh, they never learned each other's secret identities until the team-up that occurred in Superman number 76. Now, of course, they went on 
uh, a while later in the pages of World's Finest Comics to form a team, and that first happened in World's Finest Comics number 71, and I believe that was in uh, 1954. So uh, the grand tradition of the Superman-Batman team uh, had its origins in what I consider to be the late golden age of comics in 1952. Now, there are a lot of origin stories that have been told over the years for Superman. But in the golden age of comics, there were really just four origin stories that were told, the first two being Action Comics number one, and then the slightly enlarged origin story in Superman number one. But it wasn't until 1948, with the 10th anniversary of Superman, that the first very detailed origin of Superman was told. And that was in Superman number 53. That was a July-August 1948 issue. And that's a story worth talking about, and I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about that. And then about 18 months later, there was yet another more expanded origin of Superman told. And I'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes as well. So let's uh, focus for a few minutes on Superman number 53, the origin story from July-August 1948. As I mentioned, Superman's origin was known, but not well known, at least in any detail, until this story was published. And in this story, which is drawn uh, by uh, the great Wayne Boring, just a uh, great Superman uh, artist, if you if you like his style, uh, you'll love this story. Um, it's the first time we learned about Superman's parents on Krypton, uh, Jor-El and Lara, and we learned for the first time that Superman's father had gone to the Science Council on the planet Krypton and had warned them that the planet was about to uh, face its doom and be destroyed by cataclysmic forces. And, of course, as we've seen in other origins, the Science Council ridiculed Jor-El and told him that he must be wrong and that he must be crazy. And Jor-El raced back to his home where his wife Lara was holding their baby boy, Kal-El, and told Lara that uh, the planet was going to be destroyed and that all they could do was save their son. And so they placed uh, their little baby in a rocket. And of course, all of this is well known to those of you who know the origin of Superman. And Superman was rocketed into outer space and, of course, ultimately landed on Earth and was discovered by an elderly couple driving what appeared to be an old uh, Model T or Model A car. Uh, And that was uh, Mr. and Mrs. Kent. And Mr. and Mrs. Kent took uh, the baby to an orphanage and... uh, Throughout the course of this story, we saw some of the exploits of the baby Superman, uh, or I guess Super Baby at that point, in the orphanage. And later on, uh, the Kents came back and asked if they could adopt him. And the orphanage, having um, suffered many broken cribs and other incidents with this superpowered child, were more than happy to let the Kents adopt him. And he became their son, and they named him Clark Kent. And, uh, of course, the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, This story in Superman number 53 uh, spends a few pages exploring Superman as a teenager, getting his powers uh, discovered and experimenting with them. It explores uh, and shows the death of his parents and that he begins his life as Superman moving on to Metropolis. So that uh, is really the first time in the history of the Superman character in 1948 that we learn a lot about his origins. We learn about his 
Kryptonian parents, and we learn about how he uh, experimented with some of his superpowers and learned about his X-ray vision and learned about his super strength and invulnerability and all of those things. So if you're interested in reading the first real detailed origin of Superman that was ever told, you can check out a copy of Superman number 53. Now, of course, this story has been reprinted. I've got a copy of the uh, reprint of this story in Superman from the 30s to the 70s, and uh, that book is available on eBay and other sources, and I'm sure that this story has been reprinted in uh, other books uh, at other times. I'm just not sure of any of the reprint uh, uh, sources that are available other than the 30s to the 70s book, which is where I read the story. Unfortunately, in that book, it's in black and white, and uh, I'm sure it's been reprinted in color somewhere, and uh, maybe some of the listeners of Golden Age of Comic Books can let us uh, know about that, or maybe Chris over at the Collected Comics Library podcast can give us a little more information where we might find a reprint of the story of the origin of Superman from Superman number 53. Now, the cover of Superman number 53 is just a great cover. If you want to check that out, it actually uh, shows Superman uh, on the front and the exploding planet Krypton in the background, and it has in big bold letters the origin of Superman. So you can't miss that cover and what the uh, contents of that title were going to uh, represent to the followers of the Superman adventures back in 1948. Well, and just when we thought in 1948 that we had finally learned the real uh, story about Superman's origins and how he discovered his powers and all those things, DC Comics came back in about 18 months and gave us some more information. And that was in Superman number 61. That was the uh, December 1949 issue. And in that story, we learned even more about the origin of Superman. But more importantly, we learned about the origin of something that would become one of the most problematic issues for Superman to contend with throughout the rest of his career. And that, of course, is the element known as kryptonite. And until Superman number 61, uh, we had no kryptonite. Superman was pretty much invulnerable to anything, and uh, nothing could hurt him or slow him down or knock him down. But in this story, as told in Superman uh, number 61, and, and the title of the story, by the way, is called Superman Returns to Krypton, and I'll tell you about that in just a couple of minutes. But in that story, it begins with a, uh, a fraud, a, a fraud fortune teller whose name was Swami Riva. He uh, wore a turban with a big, bright green jewel in the front of the turban, and I bet you wonder uh, what that jewel might have been made of. And of course, uh, Superman uh, has an opportunity to approach this fake Swami, and when he does, he gets dizzy, and he goes unconscious. He passes out, and no one can really understand why. And at the time that this happened, um, the Swami had tried to place a hex on Superman. Of course, he thought he was uh, faking it, but of course, all of a sudden, when Superman passed out, the Swami thought to himself, well, gee, maybe I really can do this. And so, throughout the course of the uh, early part of the story, Superman encounters this guy a couple other times, and every time he does, the Swami does this fake hex, and Superman passes out. And so the villains, uh, the, the hoods and the crooks all think, hey, this guy's pretty good. We need to hire him to uh, keep uh, Superman away from us. And, of course, they're going to pay this guy a lot of money to do it. 
Well, Superman begins exploring what in the world's going on, and he discovers that the jewel that the Swami has in his turban was acquired by the Swami from a man in a jewelry store who told Superman, well, the guy was looking for something really cheap. He didn't have any money, and I sold him this cheap green stone to put in his turban because he wasn't really worth anything. Superman asked where it came from, and it turns out it was acquired from a rock hound, a rock collector, uh, and Superman flies to where this rock collector is and finds out that this guy found two of these particular stones, and in fact, one of them was still back at the jewelry store, and Superman uh, felt very weak when he came close to it. It was a much smaller stone. And this rock collector explains to Superman that these stones were the only two that he found of this type, and that they must be meteorites. And so Superman concludes that the only way for him to determine why these stones have the effect on him that they do is to travel back in time and try to discover the path that these uh, meteorite stones followed to get to Earth. And so Superman begins traveling uh, at the speed of light. Now, I told you back uh, in Action Comics number one, he could jump an eighth of a mile. Now, all of a sudden, in Superman number 61, uh, about... Uh, 11 years later, he's flying at the speed of light, so his powers really increased over the 11 years that uh, Superman's been around. But he, he follows the path of the meteorites, and he finds the planet uh, that they came from, and he's on the planet, and he learns that the name of the planet is Krypton. Superman had never heard of the planet Krypton before, it turns out, in this story. And as a ghost-type figure, if you've read any of the Silver Age uh, Superman time travel stories, you, you know that when he goes back in time, he can observe that he's essentially a, a ghost um, without form and can't interact with the people that he's observing back in time. And this is how this time travel story worked. And he didn't know who these people were on this planet called Krypton. And he sees and learns about a man named Jor-El, and he learns about a woman named Lara, and he learns about the prediction that Jor-El makes to the science council on this planet that the planet's going to explode. And in his ghostly form, he follows Jor-El around and learns that Jor-El is going to blast his infant child in a rocket off to outer space. And Superman says to himself, I've got to follow this rocket to see if this infant survives. Again, Superman had no idea this was actually him that he was observing back in time. And so he follows the rocket and watch it lands watch it lands and then he finds out that it's actually the Kents that discovered this rocket and this child and in a moment of uh, great enlightenment Superman Clark Kent realizes wait a minute I've been observing my parents on Krypton and I've been observing how I came to Earth and for the first time he realizes that he's not an Earth man and it becomes clear if you read this story in Superman number 61 that up to this point in time, Clark Kent, Superman, just assumed he was a very powerful Earthman and never realized that he was from another planet, even though all the readers of Superman had known that for all the years, the 11 years that Superman had been appearing in Action Comics and World's Finest Comics and in um, Superman Comics. And so Superman for himself finally realizes that he's from another planet, and he says, that explains why I'm different from all the other Earthmen. And so that's a big, important um, issue, Superman number 61, because Superman finally himself learns of his origin, where he never had experienced that knowledge before. And so, of course, as time goes by, um, 
the Kryptonian lore is, is greatly developed, particularly in the Silver Age. Many more Kryptonian elements are introduced into the Superman comic book and, and uh, into the Superman character. And, of course, the rest is history. So if you want to read a very interesting origin story about Superman, check out the story that appeared in Superman number 61 called Superman Returns to Krypton because that's exactly what he did. Now, the only reprint source for this particular story that I'm aware of is in the book that was published by DC Comics called The Greatest Golden Age Stories Ever Told. And this story appears on page 201 of that particular book. I don't believe it's ever been reprinted anywhere else. Now, if I'm wrong about that, please let me know because I want the listeners of the Golden Age of Comic Books to know that because this is a really good read and a good story to check out if you want to learn how Superman learns about his origin. So uh, let me know about that, but the only reprint source I'm aware of is the uh, greatest Golden Age stories ever told, published by DC. Uh, It does not appear in the 30s to the 70s book, and as far as I know, the archive editions have not uh, gotten all the way up to Superman number 61 yet. So again, the greatest Golden Age stories ever told is where you're going to find this particular story about Superman's origin as learned by Superman. So, if you want to read about Superman in the Golden Age of comic books, where do you go? Where is the place to start? Well, there are a lot of different places you can go to read Golden Age Superman stories. Of course, most of you who have listened to this show are familiar with the DC Archive series. In fact, I believe the very first Archive edition that was ever published was a Superman Archive. Uh, At this point, there have been seven Superman archives published. There have been, I believe, four Action Comics archives published with the early Golden Age Superman stories. There have also been, uh, I believe, there's been one volume of Superman in World's Finest Comics published. Of course, we've talked in previous podcasts about the uh, New York World's Fair 1939 and 1940 stories being reprinted uh, with Superman So you can go out and find those archive editions. They're a little pricey, but uh, you can find them and you can read all these stories. Another great resource to read Golden Age Superman stories, of course, is the book that I mentioned, Superman from the 30s to the 70s. This book was published in the mid-70s. Chris over at the Collected Comics Library podcast has talked about this book in some detail and the Batman book with the same title, but Batman in the 30s to the 70s. And I believe there was also a Superman from the 30s to the 80s book published, uh, which I don't have and I haven't looked at, but I think it's very similar uh, to the 30s to the 70s book. Uh, And there's some really uh, classic and key Golden Age stories reprinted in that book uh, that I mentioned. Now, recently, another uh, uh, great opportunity to read Golden Age Superman stories has been presented, and that is in the Superman Chronicles, Volume 1, that was published by DC Comics this year. It's a trade paperback, and uh, just like the Batman Chronicles book, the Superman Chronicles begins with Action Comics number one, and the goal is to reprint every Superman story from the Golden Age of Comics in order. So what you're going to find in the Superman Chronicles volume one are stories from Action Comics one through Action Comics number 12, You're going to find the uh, story that appeared in the June 1939 New York World's Fair comic, the New York World's Fair comic number one. You'll find Action Comics number 13, and you'll find uh, the entirety of Superman number one 
reprinted. And assuming a Superman Chronicles Volume 2 comes out, I'm assuming it'll continue following the Action Comics run, the second World's Fair comic, and then Superman number two and others. So, and perhaps the world's finest appearances, I'm assuming they'll put those in there in order as well. So, a great uh, endeavor by DC to publish all of the Golden Age Superman stories in order as they appeared. And, uh, and again, if you want to read the uh, early Golden Age Superman stories, a great place to start. Now, the topic of the Golden Age Superman would not be complete without talking about one other aspect of the Golden Age Superman. And that has nothing to do, really, uh, at least uh, directly, with the comic books. And that is the Golden Age Superman that appeared first in animated uh, Fleischer cartoons. And I'll just mention that briefly. Those are wonderful, and they can be found, uh, uh, I think, uh, on various DVD formats and whatnot. But what I really wanted to focus on from the Golden Age of Superman is not the Golden Age Superman comic books at this point or the animated cartoons or the movie serials, but Superman on the radio. And why is Superman on the radio so important? Well, Superman first appeared on the radio when he was just not even two years old. Uh, February 12, 1940 was the first episode of Superman on the radio. Bud Collier was the voice of Superman for many, many years, about uh, 12 years until the radio episode ceased in 1952. But what's so important about Superman on the radio is how Superman on the radio influenced Superman and the comic books during the Golden Age. For instance, for the very first time, you had the following that was heard on the radio that became something that became... Uh, very, very synonymous to Superman, and that was faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Up in the sky, look, it's a giant bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Well, we've heard that in various uh, ways, of course, in the 1950s TV show. We heard that, and uh, it got its start with the Superman radio show. Uh, up, up, and away came from the Superman radio show. But more importantly than those iconic uh, uh, introductions of Superman uh, were some of the characters and some of the things that were introduced in the Superman radio show. For instance, in the second episode of the Superman radio show, we met Perry White. And for the first time, the Perry White character was introduced to the Superman listening public and his personality that pervaded the character on the radio show, the very boisterous uh, newspaper editor, was carried over and developed in the comic book. Jimmy Olsen, the cub reporter, the copy boy that I mentioned, uh, he really came along uh, more on the radio than he did in the comic book at first, and his first radio appearance was on April 15, 1940, and he was developed into a character who later became much more important in the comic book. We talked a little while ago about the story in Superman number 61 about kryptonite. Well, that wasn't the first appearance of kryptonite. Kryptonite first appeared uh, several years earlier than it did in Superman number 61, and that was on the radio. And it was introduced in the radio show as a metal that could weaken Superman. And in fact, it was later melted and distilled into a liquid form on the radio show, and Superman succumbed to its effects as a liquid. 
Now, on September 5th, 1945, a team-up occurred on the Superman radio show, and that was the discovery by a Superman of a boy floating unconscious in a rowboat. And as Superman closely inspected this boy to see who he might be, he found that he had a colorful costume on with an R on his costume. Well, of course, that was Robin the Boy Wonder, and uh, a little while later, he met up with Batman. And Batman and Robin appeared with Superman in many, many of the radio shows throughout the course of the Golden Age of Radio with Superman. And long before, seven years before, Batman and Superman teamed up in Superman number 76 in 1952. In fact, on the radio, Superman and Batman and Robin all lived in the same town. They all lived in Metropolis together. There was no Gotham City on the radio. And they teamed up on many occasions, including in one of the most classic of the Superman radio shows, and that was Superman versus the Atom Man. Now, I was over at the Barnes & Noble just this past weekend, and I found that the company called Radio Spirits, and you can go to their website, radiospirits.com, and uh, they have put out a two-CD set with the very first, I believe, uh, 12 episodes of Superman on radio. So you've got uh, uh, February of 40 through March of 1940 and the various Superman radio shows, 12 of them that appeared during that time. So if you want to check out the first 12 original episodes of Superman on the radio, including the first episode, which is actually the origin uh, of the the child uh, leaving uh, Krypton and flying to Earth in the rocket ship, you can pick up that uh, CD at Barnes & Noble and I'm sure at the Radio Spirits website. At the Radio Spirits website, I know you can pick up uh, uh, Superman vs. the Atom Man. Those uh, CDs are available in many of the other stories. In fact, they even published a, uh, a set a number of years ago on cassette, which I was able to get a, a hold of, uh, that is just a Superman and Batman team-up episodes. They're probably on CD now. And, uh, in fact, I recognize the front cover of the cassette tape series because it had a reprint on it from the cover of World's Finest number 3. So, if you're interested in uh, learning about some additional origins of the Golden Age Superman, check out uh, radiospirits.com and some of the wonderful radio shows that appeared back in the 1940s and early 1950s with Superman, Batman, and Robin, and many other memorable characters. Now, I cannot leave the discussion of the Superman radio show without saying pep, P-E-P, pep. And for those of you who have ever listened to the Superman radio shows uncut with the ads, you know what I'm talking about. And, and if my son, Will, is listening to this, he'll laugh because many years ago, we, we drove on a long uh, car trip and we listened to a lot of these Superman radio shows and we listened to the pep commercials over and over and over again. Uh, so uh, you got to learn about Kellogg's Pep to learn about Superman on the radio. Kellogg's Pep was a cold cereal that was the sponsor of the Superman radio shows for most of its run back in the 1940s. So that's uh, where we're going to leave our discussion about the Golden Age Superman. Uh, we spent a little bit more time than we normally do on the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast, but I figured that uh, Superman being the, the granddaddy of the Golden Age of Comic Books deserved a little more time. I hope you've enjoyed learning about his origins, and uh, in particular, the origins that were told in Superman number 53 and Superman number 61. <laughs>
All right. Well, it's good to be back after a, a fairly lengthy time off from the Golden Age of Comic Books. And it feels good to get the 42nd installment of the Golden Age of Comic Books in the can. As always, you can send me an email at goldenagecomics at gmail.com. I appreciate all the comments, uh, in particular those comments wondering just where in the world I had uh, gotten off to. Uh, but please uh, send me your email, your comments about the show, or anything else related to the Golden Age of Comic Books. Check out the blog page at goldenagecomics.libsyn.com. That's where I post the show notes. Uh, hopefully I'll get an enhanced version of this podcast up in the next couple of days, as I've done with the last few episodes of Golden Age of Comic Books, with uh, cover images, hyperlinks, and whatnot related to what we've discussed in the Golden Age of Comic Books. Don't forget to check out the form at comicgeekspeak.com. Click on form, and you can go from there to the Golden Age of Comic Books. It uh, would behoove you to become a member of the form if you're not already a member. And there you can post uh, comments and whatnot to the Golden Age of Comic Books forum. Don't forget to vote for the Golden Age of Comic Books at podcastalley.com. Well, heck, I don't really deserve any votes at this point, but, you know, uh, I'm back, so maybe you can... Give me some votes for the month of August and spur me on to keep uh, these shows coming every week or two uh, like I had done in the past. So I would appreciate you going over to podcastalley.com and placing a vote for the golden age of comic books. So, everybody, that's going to be the 42nd installment. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And I hope everybody gets out there and picks up a copy of the Superman Chronicles. Check out some of those early Golden Age Superman episodes. Check out Superman 53, the story of the origin of Superman, and Superman 61, the story of Superman Returns to Krypton. I think you'll find those very, very enjoyable and very uh, uh, meaningful if you're interested in learning about the Golden Age Superman. So have a great week, everybody. I look forward to talking to each and every one of you next time about the Golden Age of comic books. <laughs>